Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? Welcome and welcome back to group. Um, this is the group sessions podcast. Y'all already know the vibes. Uh, I want to jump in today to have a conversation about owning your story. A lot of people constantly have that conversation about owning your truth and showing up for yourself. But what happens about the parts of the, well, what happens to the parts of the story where you weren't in your truth? What happens to those parts of your story where you were not in alignment with you, where you went against yourself, you allowed yourself to be treated a certain way, you did things that wasn't in your best health or your best interests? Who owns those? So I want to talk about owning your complete story in this episode. If you're new here, make sure that you subscribe, Make wherever you listen to this from, subscribe and turn those notifications on. That's one thing that you can do with every platform, whether you are watching this or listening to this on YouTube, whether you're on Instagram, whether you are um, tuning in from uh, a streaming service like Spotify or Apple Muse, Apple Podcasts, wherever you are, iHeartRadio, whatever the case is, make sure that you turn the notifications on because I want y'all to come with me on this journey. I don't want y'all to miss any of these new episodes. This has been an exciting project and a, and turned into a very passion passionate project for me. So I'm excited to share these things with you. And I share these stories and we have this group conversation that we all can kind of relate to so that we can learn and grow together. So make sure that you tune in. Also, if you are on a streaming platform, hit me with a five-star rating. Go in, pause this episode right now um, and hit me with a five-star rating. I know that y'all used to listening to podcasts and not rating them, but trust me, that rating makes a difference. Sharing this podcast also makes a difference. We got to get those streaming numbers up. Thank you guys for who have been sharing it. I noticed that we've been getting a lot more people coming to group with us. So thank you so much for that. Um, yeah. Uh, so, oh, lastly, if you are looking for me on <laughs> Instagram, follow me at Robert St. Michael. That's Robert S-A-I-N-T-M-I-C-H-A-E-L. Uh, if you're looking for counseling, mental health coaching services, you can find that at robertstmichael.com. I am filling up for this year, so I don't have as many slots. I think might have maybe one, one in a possible, maybe two, definitely one. So yeah, hit me up. Cool. So let's jump into today's episode, owning your story. I really felt like it was important to have a conversation about owning your entire story versus just owning your truth, quote unquote, because this language that we've been using lately in terms of um, transparency, in terms of healing, breaking generational curses, um, all of these things that, mind you, these are great things to be talking about. These are things that we should be addressing, but the language that we use doesn't always translate. Not everybody relates to the break a generational curse. Not everyone relates to shadow work. Not everyone relates to um, trauma. The The vocabulary and the, and the way that we talk about these things, not everyone connects to that, but everyone has a story. And most of the time we can share experiences. The, what prompted me to talk about this is... I've been thinking about the connection between, well, I don't know if it's to call it a connection or a debate, the relationship between people who are 
um, identify as spiritual and not religious versus people who identify as religious and not spiritual. Um, let me just be clear. There are even more people who identify as both. Um, most people who are religions also, ident also identify their religious relationship with God as a spiritual relationship. And on the vice versa, people who are not religious, well, people who identify as spiritual primarily also feel like they have a religion with God. They have a relationship with God. So these are all different interpretation of a relationship with the higher, higher power. But because of the language that is spoken about, and I wanted to do a, a panel, but I just couldn't, because of how it's hard to bring these people together because of how, um, how badly one talks about the other, you know, and it's people don't want to feel degraded. People don't want to feel offended. So it's hard to bring these people in the room. We're talking about people's, um, you know, relationship with their faith. So this is not necessarily something people are willing to compromise, especially their understanding about there are many people whose mental health surrounds their belief systems and their faith. So that is usually not something they want to talk about. I've always had friends and, you know, people in my life from all different walks. I've had people who were participating in multiple religions. I've had people who did not believe in organized religion and practice their own types of spiritualities. Um, I've, I've had all of that in my life. So for me, I never positioned myself as the polar opposite of either. I always thought that they were essentially the same thing, just taught in different ways to different people based on different relationships. But it got me thinking about like the fact that the way that we talk about these different relationships leaves a different impact on people. People can discuss God with the verbiage of God, but when God's spoken out of a, into a different context, for example, like Allah or Yahweh or a higher power or the universe, people are not open to sharing conversation when the vocabulary doesn't align with what they're used to, even if we're talking about the same thing. So I took that and realized how when it comes to mental health and people's uh, path and journey through, the, the, through this world and through this, um, this healing process, it makes a big difference depending on the vocabulary that you're using, the things that you're subscribing to. And so this is where I came up with the concept of owning your story, not just an identified chapter in your story, if that makes sense. So let's jump in and talk about different ways that you can participate in this healing movement and own your story without necessarily subscribing to a particular lens that you view yourself, without prescribing to a lens of a lens of trauma or uh, faith or um, karma, wh whatever it is, what is the, the raw ingredients of healing your mind? I like to start with I statements. I like to start with the concept of separating the I from the them. 
understanding that you can either choose to be the subject of your story or the participant in someone else's story. And when you own your story, you look at your life experiences through the lens of I. I felt, I did, I reacted, I need, I wanted, um, I made, I created. And that constant framing of your life through the perception of I gives you a first person introduction to your life in a way that sometimes when we're going through the notions, we're not completely present in that first person perspective. Have you ever, if you've ever been at work and you just kind of zeroed out or um, like daydreamed or zoned out or anything like that, and you're just kind of in that autopilot, those are examples of moments where you're not playing the subject in your story. You're playing the participation in someone else's story. You know, you're, you're working for a company, you're answering phones, you've kind of detached yourself from that experience and you're just in it and going through it. So what happens when you say that this is an I perspective, I did this, you get to think about how do you feel about what you did? And when you start bringing those things into questions, then you feel like, okay, well, how am I going to react to this? Am I going to change what I did? Am I going to do this differently? It gives you some sense of uh, responsibility or like a call to action to take control of your life and navigate it in the direction that you feel comfortable with, not just participating in other people's navigation in directions that they are comfortable with. You know what I mean? Because when it comes to that example of you working, your job is not necessarily thinking about your firsthand experience at work. They're thinking about making it amicable, amicable, what is it? Making it amicable. I don't even know if that's the right word, but they're thinking about making it just comfortable enough for you not to leave. And that is essentially where their commitment ends. (laughs) So this is also the case for people in your life and relationships and family and the, the experiences that you've had with other people. I know it might sound kind of cold, but I'm not going to ever, I'm not going to lie to y'all. The honest truth is that people in your life, they're not necessarily thinking about the world through your eyes all of the time. In fact, it's not natural for them to think about the world through your eyes. They think about you through their eyes. Okay. And... There are moments that they're not thinking about you and they're thinking about something else. I think we talked about this last episode or one of these past couple of episodes. Make sure y'all go check it out. But we talked about how there's going to be times when people are focused on you and there's going to be times when people are not focused on you. So if they're, if you're not focused on you, it's kind of like who's focused on you right now? You know, if you're not minding your business... Who's minding your business? Because other people have to mind their own business. They may step away from their business to pay attention to your business, but they're going to go back to minding theirs because somebody has to mind that business. And so the same is said for being present and having that first person perspective. If you're not looking at life through your eyes, who is? 
even when people are trying to imagine what life is like through your eyes, it's not necessarily an accurate depiction of the world because what they see may be the same thing you see, but they understand it differently. So all they can do is what they assume they should be doing based on how they imagine you may be feeling or what you might be thinking, you know? So the only person that has that firsthand accurate experience of seeing the world through your eyes is you. You have to be the person looking through your eyes and looking at the world. And so that's another reason why having that first person and starting with I statements and reviewing your life and saying, I did, I have, I want, I don't have, I miss, I love, I feel. Starting with those I statements is going to give you a new level of ownership and control over your life. Which leads me to the next thing is I get disrupted when. So once you have a sense of I and the first person perspective, you start to realize that there are things that you can encounter that disrupt you. What I mean by disrupting you, I mean that anything that kind of takes your attention away from you or brings you into a different state of mind, brings you into a different emotional place, um, anything that turns you up a thousand or makes you feel pretty low, anything that spikes your mood, your emotions, and your thoughts, you want to identify what those things are that are disruptive to you. And the reason why this is so important is because we are not able to control every aspect of the world. So we can't guarantee that we can completely avoid those things that are disruptive to us while still living a fulfilling life. So by identifying those things that are disruptive, you can start to learn how to manage them, how to see them coming a mile away, how to notice when you're starting to get disrupted, how to manage your your emotions and your thoughts in a way that it doesn't allow it to continue to go in a disruptive pattern, maybe bring it down. You want to um, also, if it's something that is disruptive to you, that's a part of your everyday life or something that's pretty much on schedule, you may want to find other ways to, uh, what's a good way to put this, to put up a, a, a barrier between you and whatever that disruptor is. And that barrier could be reading. It could be giving time to yourself to just disconnect from the activity. Um, it could be putting yourself in a different mind space. It can be pretty much anything that allows you, the I, the first person, to have some distance between that disruptor. And another thing is once you learn what that disruptor is, you can also look out for it in other aspects of your life. So let's say I learned that one of my disruptors is crowded spaces, right? Um, and then my friends invite me out and say, hey, we want to, you know, hang out at my house today. And, you know, we're going to have like a little gathering. I'm going to invite some people over. Because I know that crowded places is a disruptor for me, I can start to ask questions like how many people are going to be there? How long are we going to be staying there? You know, who exactly is going to be there? And if I hear something that relates to it being a crowded type of function, I can know that that's not necessarily for me. Um, and just in general, it helps you participate in the world better 
when you know exactly what doesn't work for you. Now, this is a part of this the, the owning of the story that a lot of people get stuck at. The reason why is because it doesn't always, when you discover what your disruptor is, it doesn't always mean that you're meant to avoid it at all costs. Sometimes it's you have to change a, a little bit of your understanding of it, or sometimes you have to change your sensitivity level to it as well. For example, if you are looking to get into a relationship and one of your disruptors is um, intimacy, maybe you're not good with physical touch and physical intimacy and stuff like that, and that's a disruptor for you, if you want to move past that disruptor, there's actual work that you can do to change your relationship with that disruptor, if that makes sense. There are certain things that you can do to get yourself a little bit more acquainted and a little bit more comfortable or at ease with physical affection, if that's what you want to do. Now, the reason why I say some people get stuck here is because it's really common for people to just kind of have the, this is how I am, either take it or leave it. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't disregard that attitude. I, I'm just saying that sometimes that can be used divisively as a cop out to not continue growing or to not take accountability, um, to not look to not take responsibility to grow beyond the barrier. Because some, some of these disruptors are, are obstacles that we can conquer. And once we conquer them, we can experience the freedom of not having to walk around them. You know, um, there is freedom in affection. For those of you, anyone out there who's listening and struggles with affection of any kind, um, and I, I feel like we... we I want to talk about that, but I want to bring um, Sam and Lady D back on because that's, I want to have that conversation with them, with us, with you, with together. So, but if you struggle with affection, period, you can feel a certain level of comfort in withdrawing from, from physical affection or other types of affection and just kind of isolating and being a recluse and staying to yourself. But you also live with this um, this carefulness. You know, you live with this certain carefulness when it comes to people, when it comes to emotions, when it comes to displaying affection. But moving past that discomfort, moving past that carefulness actually opens up a new world of intimate communication that you're not able to experience if you can't get past the barrier of affection. So, and and within that world there's a there's a whole literally a whole new everything in there. There's this whole entire world that you're not able to access. So, there are some um what are we calling these triggers? What are we calling them? We're calling them disruptors. <laughs> There's the, I guess the more psychological or clinical term would be triggers, but there are some disruptors that are meant to be moved through, you know? And then there are some disruptors that over time, they can disrupt a little bit less. You can learn from these disruptors and you can adapt to them and start to uh, 
be make them a little bit more predictable. I find that when something is predictably about to enter your life and you already know how it was how it's going to make you feel or how you're going to feel about it, right? Cuz we use I statements. Um if something if you're about to encounter something in your life and you already know how you're going to feel about it, you get to prepare for it. Okay? So for an example, let's say if you've lost someone and that time of year, let's say their birthday, you know, you usually celebrate their birthday. It was a really big deal. You kind of get to know that every year this time is going to come around and you know that you're going to feel down about it. So you can plan to kind of like take a day off work. You can plan to take some time to yourself where it's okay for you to kind of go through those emotions and go through those notions and not feel like you have to be commanded to service or commanded attention to someone else or anything like that. Because one thing about experiencing that disruption, it's really hard for you to show up for other people. It's so hard for them to, to be put on that hat of employee or mom or dad or daughter or nephew or cousin or brother or wife or husband. It's so hard to put these hats on when our core self, the I, is feeling disrupted. So sometimes being able to predict these disruptors can help you manage them a lot better. And so going back to having that attitude, this is just me, take it or leave it. I don't think that that's a terrible attitude to have, but I think there's a time and a place for it. And I do think that sometimes people use it as a cop out to not work on themselves, which is not ever good. Anybody that I've, that I know or have known, well, I would say have known because I don't know too many people that voluntarily stay stuck. Um, I don't keep people that voluntarily stay stuck in my life because I don't want to be stuck with you. And so I, I tend to keep people that are coming with me on a journey of growth, on a journey of change. When people decide that they're committed to being stuck, all while watching you continue to elevate and grow, they become very envious and it just never works out. So I don't hold on to those people. But for those who I have known who voluntarily stay stuck, their lives get very dark very quickly and it, it's just not good. It, it's, it's never a good outcome. Uh, so when given the option to change and evolve and grow and learn, take advantage of that. And if that means that you have to change the relationship with things that normally disrupt your life or even make space for those things to come into your life and flow through them, make that happen. By all means, if there are things that you simply don't welcome and you don't want to deal with or you feel like it's not a part of your journey, it's no problem at all to let that stuff go and avoid it at all costs. But you don't want to live your life in fear and you don't want the motivation for every day that you wake up to be avoiding certain circumstances. That's not going to be a good way to live. You're going to find that you're very passive and that it's going to be really hard for you to enjoy life. Which leads me to the next thing and I guess the final tip I'll give you right now. The past is not to live in. It's to learn from. Don't live in the past. You live today. 
And the way that you live today to have should have some indication on how you want to live tomorrow. Live with intentions. Wake up and do things on purpose that are connected to what you want for yourself. We cannot change the past. We cannot undo the things that we've been through, but we can choose whether or not we want to live in it. And I know that you know what I'm talking about when I say live in the past. Every day of your life cannot be a reaction to experiences that happened to you years ago. You can't allow that. You cannot be a shadow or a ghost in your own life. You have to be the I, the driving force, the first person perspective. And that I exists today, right now, in the present. If you're a person that you currently feel like you're constantly living in reaction to your past, do what you need to do to break that down and break through that cycle, break through that repetition, because you will continue it until you actively stop it. The reason why we continue to do things is because they're comfortable to us. Even the things that are not great for us, these behaviors are comforting to us. And the idea of stepping outside of what's comfortable to us is scary, but you have to be willing to make those steps to move forward. And this is about owning your story. You can do this and make these steps through therapy if you believe in therapy, through your religions if you believe in religion, through spirituality you can do this work if you believe in that. There's a whole market of uh, coaching and, and mentorships through new relationships. Whatever you have to do to pull yourself out of the past, do that. Take that risk and take that step because tomorrow is promised to no one. And if you keep missing out on today, you're not going to have any memories. You're not going to have any stories. You don't want to wake up and just not have any memories or any stories. But you're not going to make those memories and those stories if you're not present today. So that is my quick bit. Actually, this was kind of quick. We only did 26 minutes. And I'm pretty sure once this is auto cleaned, it's going to condense down to a little bit less than that. So I'm proud of myself for hitting y'all with a quick episode. Thank you for holding space for me. Thank you for taking time to be here. Thank you for kicking it with me. If you're new here, I welcome you here. If you are returning here, I welcome you back as usual. Please make sure that you tune in. Make sure that you share this with somebody whose life this can impact. You never know who needs to hear this. I've come across at least four people this week that I I didn't realize that the, I had something to say to them. I didn't realize that they needed to hear it. Impactful ass conversations, uh, people that I haven't spoken to in so long, you know, but you never know where somebody's at. We take for granted sometimes that we, we always think that everybody's okay. And, you know, we, we don't realize there are certain things that people don't talk to us about. So share this with somebody. I'm sure you know at least two people that needs to hear this. You know at least two people that this type of content is going to change their life. And if you have time today, go back and flip through the old episodes. I want to know what you guys think of the series so far. I want to know what your favorite episode is. Um, hit me up on social media of what you want to 
talk about next. And if you want to come on the show, it's an open invitation. You are more than welcome on. I always encourage you to bring a friend with you, bring somebody that is a support system to you. So that we, when we have group, you know, sometimes we get really vulnerable and we go to vulnerable spaces. It's nice to have somebody that is really close with you. So I invite everybody on. I mean, I think my on-air studio has room. I think we could do 10 guests at once, but I don't think I would ever do that many because that's that's a lot of moderating of a conversation. But um, yeah, if you're interested, just hit me up. Hit me up. Tell me what's on your mind. Tell me what you want to talk about. Tell me who you want to bring on the show with you. And uh, let's let's make it happen. Let's do this work. Um, Yeah. So it's been real. I've been your mental health coach for the day. And I appreciate you. I love all of y'all. And I will catch you in the next episode. Peace.